This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Professor Kent Smetters. Hello and welcome back. Ken Smith, professor here at the Wharton School. You're listening to your Money Business Radio, Series X and 132. Let's do the show. You know my routine. You're going to have a financial planner with me taking your calls about your own financial situation. So if you want to know what to do with your money, how to save it, um, invest it, maybe providing for your kids, your retirement, grandma just left you a bunch of money, or just figuring out what to do with some real estate or budgeting, just give me a call. Live on Tuesdays. So give me the call right now at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. With me in this studio is Tom Meyer, is the CEO of Meyer Capital Group, a local town, Marlton, uh, New Jersey. He's, uh, he's running the firm that his grandfather founded in 1967, and he was uh, one of the early fee-only fiduciaries, uh, truly a pioneer in the field, like all our advisors. Uh, Tom is a fee-only. Um, so, uh, Tom, we've had you on the show many times, so thanks so much for coming back. Uh, just remind us a little bit about your firm. If you have a typical client, what's your she like? So, Ken, first of all, thanks again for having me in here. I love uh, coming in here, especially when it's not raining for once. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so uh, we're a our money management firm. Uh, we are, as you said, fee-only, fiduciary, and uh, we handle uh, monies for families and businesses and foundations. Uh, we do f- uh, comprehensive financial planning, and um, we basically do life planning. Excellent. We help people attain their financial goals. Excellent. And again, speaking of Tom Meyer, who's the uh, financial advisor and the CEO of Meyer Capital Group. Again, give us a call. I'd love to answer your questions with, with Tom. I'm here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let me go to Jose calling from California. How can I help you, Jose? Yeah, hi. So I've got a kind of interesting situation. I've my wife and I both have uh, we're government employees. We have you know pensions that are lined up, you know, to to pay off well, um, hopefully. Um, but we have a rental, and that rental has accumulated quite a bit of a, of equity at this point. Yeah. So. The problem, though, is that um, I'm, the housing is at the peak of its market right now where yeah. I live yeah. in cent- central coast of California. And so the question is, could I use that equity? I have about three hundred dollars to $350,000 in equity in that, in that home to build maybe some apartments. Or what, what can I do with all that equity if I feel that the housing market might be topping out where we're at? Yeah, and let me ask you, you said that you have pensions. Are these state pensions or are these federal pensions? Uh, these are state pensions. Yeah, yeah. Do keep, do keep in mind, you know, um, state-based pensions, you know, are not backed by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And California may get lucky, uh, but California has some really serious issues with their state and local pensions. Uh, so just keep that in mind. We don't want to rely on that uh, uh, too much. So don't get me wrong. California might get lucky with the tech boom and other tax-based broadeners that, that to pay for those pensions. But do, you know, keep... Uh, uh, you know, uh, put some haircut on those pensions. So uh, tell me, how, how old are you, Jose? How much have you saved up outside of these pensions for kind of retirement? And, you know, what's the problem with, you know, maybe someday just selling these properties for for retirement? Why, why would you want to build kind of more in California? Well, um, I'm 45 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with my agency for like, you know, 25, 20 years. Sure. 
And I'm, I'm at a point now where the, that property, I, I just feel like I can build more wealth. I can use that money as, as more of a wealth platform, you know, maybe build some apartments and create residual income. Yeah, or you could lose it all. You know, like in, it's a very focused investment. Uh, One asset class, one, you know, state It is, uh, you you know, California lost 25% of its value during the the last financial crisis. And of course, yeah, it did come back, but um, you you don't want to kind of rest on on that. How much have you saved up for retirement outside of these, uh, uh, of your pensions, rental property, kind of something like a four? 403B or taxable brokerage account, IRAs, things like that. Yeah, so we've got a 457, I think it's called, which is yep. for a compensation plan. Yep. And I want to say I want to have somewhere about uh, about 180,000 on my own, about my wife, about another 140 on hers. Okay, good. So maybe another so another three 320 in there somewhere in, in that kind of money. Good. And, and, and certainly you want to uh, think about how you invest that and so forth. Um, so this rental property, it's, it's producing the income that's in, in excess of the mortgage and um, uh, taxes and uh, upkeep costs, all that type of stuff? Yeah, I think I'm netting about a positive of about maybe $1,000 a month. Um, in addition, you know, on top of what my expenses are yeah. in profit or rental, in- rental income. Yeah. Uh, not including my my federal taxes, of course, and state tax after that, but just on a monthly basis, I'm profiting about a thousand. Sure, sure, yeah. So just net of your property taxes, upkeep. You know, don't forget about the upkeep and your mortgage about a thousand bucks a month. I mean, so yeah. good. I mean, and that could that could change over time depending on what happens with the you know the California market and so forth. Uh, and so it's it's really it sounds like you want to figure out how to take a loan against that and kind of double down on on real estate. Uh, so Tom, your thoughts. Well, I've been down this road before. Um, yeah. Jose, let me ask you this: Have you ever built before? Have I what? Have you ever built before? Uh, no, but uh, that's a family business, uh, so I've got lots of uncles and cousins that do this, and that's kind of what inspired me because one of them just spent about two hundred thousand dollars for a vacant lot, and he built uh, twelve apartments on there. And with our rents in Central Coast of California, um, that represents about you know about maybe two thousand dollars per unit, about twenty four thousand a month in income. So what? you know that's just it's, Okay, so and I have to tell you, only twenty percent of Californians can af- can actually afford to buy a home. So the rental market, um, although it, it's had some severe dips, you know, will be very very strong. I think because of of the fact that it's probably the lowest percentage of of citizens that can buy a house in that state of any state for that matter. Um, so the ca- the cash flow is a thousand dollars a month. You got three hundred fifty thousand in equity. Um, I assume you have a mortgage on this. Yeah, I do, I do have more. It was a few years left, yeah. Okay, a few years left. All right. I, I, I have to tell you, if you have family in, in, involved in that, you know, God bless you. Um, if, if you got somebody that knows what the heck they're doing when it comes to building. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, Jose, I think it's um, it's great that you have family in that area. It, it, my concern about it is simply that you're placing a lot of kind of wealth in kind of the rental market. What I would, what I would be uh, really focusing on is not trusting so much on, on where the pensions are going to be in California. You're not going to like to hear this, but my joke used to be Illinois was our Greece and uh, California is our Spain. Uh, because if you look at how under 
underfunded the pensions are in those states. They, they are substantially underfunded still. Um, and again, California might get lucky. They've taken a lot of big bets on the stock market, but they were always uh, incredibly underfunded. Uh, and you can't look at the official funding numbers because they use r- really crazy discount rates on their future liabilities that are, are assuming risk-free returns are, are astronomically large. So, you know, what I would be doing, Jose, is really enjoying this rental income. I'd be pocketing that, hundred, that thousand bucks a month and really trying to put that money into a taxable brokerage account um, and just enjoy what you, what you got. But then, you know, that that rental property, I, I would, you know, uh, use that equity at some point to augment your your saving your saving for retirement or other goals that you might have. Um, but it, let, trying to take a loan against that, which is essentially what you're talking about, to try to build more, um, doubling down, um, I, I think it's just not going to be a great idea, especially if you already have a home in California. It's all the more uh, focused risk that you're taking, both in a single asset class as well as a single geographic area uh, as well. So it's always tempting when during the heydays. But you know, remember, you know, land prices and things like that already incorporate all the potential. Uh, if there's easy money to be made in this, everybody and their sisters doing it, driving up those land prices. Those land prices already reflect that you could buy or reflect this potential. So there's not kind of a free lunch there. So uh, unless you have the passion, you're willing to cash. Out into some of your own sweat equity of building and so forth, and that's kind of your your actual occupation. I, I would really uh, hesitate to to actually do that as an investment. Thanks so much for calling, on, Jose. Really appreciate it. And again, speak with Tom with Tom uh, with the Meyer Capital Group, the CEO there. Uh, and give us a call. Love to answer your questions here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let me go to Joel. Um, also calling from California. How can we help you, Joel? Yes, uh, this has to do with the 401k. I'm retired, not using the 401k, but it's real heavy in one company stock. The company I retired from, wow. uh, I'm getting close to getting going to sell the bulk of it because I want to reduce that exposure. Yeah. My thought was to throw it into like a Vanguard total stock market and a Vanguard prime cap. But both of those stocks are doing quite well right now. And I, my question would be, if I go ahead and uh, reduce that exposure so that one company stock, might I park it into like a money market or something withheld within Fidelity, say, where it's at, being managed? Yeah. Uh, just to, to try to wait. I, I know it's not smart to time the market, but yeah. uh, the way those stock prices are up right now, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you really are, are already exposed to, to um, those high stock prices. You're just at that exposure with just one stock. I mean, so l- let me ask you, you say you have a 401k. Um, it's heavy in your, your own, I, I assume, previous company stock. Um, and so you could uh, rebalance inside your 401k, not worry about the capital gains uh, associated w- with that, if I'm understanding the, the, the case correctly. And so then you're just trying to figure out what you should do with that. I mean, how much money are we talking about? How much uh, in in this particular 401k that you would want to rebalance? How much, how many have you saved for retirement? And also give me your age as well. That's several million sitting in there. And I've got other funds outside of that that's sustain us, so I don't need it, the 401k. You don't need it. Okay, so let me ask you, the the funds that you're sitting outside, those are liquid funds, and how are those invested? In a taxable brokerage account, or what are they doing? 
taxable brokerage accounts, uh, money markets, real estate. Okay. Yeah. And okay. And uh, but you're pretty convinced that this is money that you're not going to need. Um, you're, so you have in their 401k. So your your plan for this is more intergenerational is to give it away. What, what's your plan for it? Yeah, I'll probably just leave it to, to the heirs. We'll leave it to the heirs, okay? Because that's gonna that has a big effect. Like, um, if if it was for your own consumption, then we're gonna we would be talking about asset location a bit more, um, because you could actually move all that four hundred one k to a bond fund, um, and just make sure the stuff in your taxable brokerage account is much more stock allocated. But if it's a four, if if the goal is to leave this to your heirs, then we want to kind of think about what's the right asset allocation. Uh, with them in mind. So, Tom, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first of all, you do have a scenario here with with uh, company stock and a four hundred one k to actually um, not roll that over to an IRA, but to go ahead and um, transfer that outside of the IRA and only pay capital gains tax rather than an ordinary income. Um, but you you would have to talk to HR about that. That is a little bit of a get out of jail free card. Um, that um, employees have when they have uh, company stock and four hundred one ks. That's a good point. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure where your 401k is. I'm not sure what kind of investments that they offer. But as Kent said, outside of maybe that potential stock um, scenario, I would probably look at, you know, a, a Schwab or a Vanguard and sit there and, and set up a nice uh, diversified income portfolio that would uh, or income and growth, I should say, that would be there for your legacy um, and for you to sleep at night. Yeah. And, and, and yeah so, well, the real question is what I had is uh, I'm going to I'm going to sell that company stock. Yeah. I'm going to buy uh, like a Vanguard total stock market yeah. with half of it and prime cap with the other because I'm already in the prime cap. And but my question is, oh. might I might I sell that company stock and put it in just park it for a while? And to see if this market's going to cool down before yeah. I buy the total stock yeah. market for the prime caps. But you kind of answered your own question, Joel. I mean, <laughs> we don't believe in market time. If we we're going to give you that advice, um, uh, we you know uh, certainly our advice would be very different for for a lot of people. I mean, the 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 fact of the matter is if. Um, that were the right strategy. Trillions of other dollars were being doing the same thing. And as a result of that, um, you would not have the market kind of gains. I, I just think, you know, um, one has to be careful about – you really want to think in terms of the, what is the correct asset allocation and tax strategy, not trying to figure out if the market is, um, you know, overheated or not. Because a lot of people, I'll tell you, in 2008, after the market dropped quite a bit, a lot of people, you know, sat out the market in 2009 and missed a big, uh, you know, a big appreciation. And then they thought, well, the market's overheated in 2009, we'll sit it out and they keep losing out. Um, and, and so uh, it, it just don't think, we don't try to bet against trillions of dollars in in the market. I mean, we, we think the market's probably efficient when there's no reason for us um, and to try to time the market. Uh, it, but here's what I would do is break it down is that you always ask, want to ask yourself, what's the goal for this? And if you're very confident that the uh, the uh, this is not going to be used um, for your own consumption or your spouse's consumption, this is going to be left to the kids. Um, and then you know you want to start to think about first of all what's the right asset allocation for them, and that's really them as younger people, um, and that would be um, something that's potentially much more um, a stock market based and something like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, uh, and also 
But then you really want to sit down with a, with a CPA to kind of go through your options for both federal and state because there's, there's various tax strategies. Uh, Tom mentioned one, um, and that is uh, to maybe realize capital gains today um, in your, uh, on your company's stock as you, uh, as you adjust out. But also there might be another strategy, and that is when you pass away, your kids are going to get what's called step-up a basis at death. Um, and so a lot of the basis, the cost basis will appreciate automatically um, upon your demise. And this is still well below the state tax level. At the same time, you know, if you're giving them something that's inherited IRA, 401k, things like that, that's going to uh, be a different situation there because they're going to have to eventually uh, take mi- uh, required minimum distributions out of this. And so what you're going to have to do is go through those options with a CPA to really figure that out um, with the goal in mind that you are using this for your um, for your kids. If this were for your own consumption, then the strategy is very different. Um, in that case, I, I would actually be talking about uh, maybe putting – you're worried about the stock market uh, where it's at uh, well there's there's a double double uh, a twofer here and that is um, even though I don't like timing the market I would tell you to probably put all this in the Vanguard Tools bond fund um, and uh, in your because it's in your 401k um, and then you know or, but you you know or at least roll it into an IRA maybe do the capital gains uh, taxation today to avoid the RMDs later on, but still uh, outside of that tax minimization strategy, still put it all in the Vanguard total bond fund and then have your stock exposure be in your taxable brokerage account because that's going to be the most efficient um, from a tax planning perspective to have the bonds in something that is going to be uh, tax deferred um, and, and then your t- taxable account be something like the Vanguard total stock market fund. Uh, so the strategy is really going to vary a lot based on your goal in this case. Um, uh, if it's for you, then Vanguard total bond fund and maybe before or after you realize the capital gains. Um, but if it's for your legacy, then that's where you want to uh, likely uh, continue to have that in in stocks, but it is but simply more diversified, like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund. And but do sit down with the CPA to figure out should you be realizing because uh, it's company stock, realizing the capital gains today. Probably it's not a bad idea um, versus. Um, 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 trying to use the tax deferral or even base a step up at death. So thanks so much for calling, Joel. I really appreciate it. Again, speak with Tom Meyer, my CEO of Meyer Capital Group, uh, doing a great job answering questions here. Just give us a call. Love to answer a question uh, live on Tuesday. So don't, oh, and don't wait for a second hour or here for only this hour and give me a call here at 1 844 That's 1 844 7866. Let me go to Ellie or Eli, sorry, uh, calling from New Jersey. How can you help you, Eli? Hi, I'm calling for my uh, sister. She has uh, a lump sum of money, like seventy grand, uh, that she has to do something with. Yep. And she has some student loans, about fifty grand, um, which I guess I think are federal. Uh, I think the, the loans vary from between four percent to six percent. Yeah. I think there are three separate loans, mm-hmm. and she wants to know um, if. She should invest some of that money, or she should pay off her student loan. Yeah, so, um, I understand uh, there's a risk-free uh, return with paying off student loans. Right. But I wanted to know if there's one of the loans is four percent, and I guess it's pretty low. Uh, would you say that 
that rule applies in that case. Um, and yeah. theoretically speaking, if someone has a loan that's under 4%, would you say the same thing? Sure. Let me ask you your sister's situation. Does she have a job? Does she have an emergency account? Tell me some more uh, about her. How how stable is her her income? Uh, All that type of stuff. So she's married. Her husband has a good, stable job. Um, Combined income, I think, is around two hundred grand. They live in California, so they have a high cost of living. Sure. But um, they do. They are saving. I think ten percent of their income. Uh, and putting that towards their retirement. Good. And do, do, uh, do they have a decent emergency account just for in case something yes, comes? Yes, they do. Okay. All right. So, Tom, with those facts, uh, it really comes down to, you know, you're trying to get get a, a potentially nice risk-free uh, rate. We're also assuming she's not doing – she's not going to be qualifying for debt forgiveness, doing charitable work, things like or that. Or government. Or government, right, things right. like that. So uh, it's really just about essentially uh, an arbitrage between, you know – Trying to invest in the market, staking on the risk versus a pretty, you know, potentially yeah. high risk for return. Well, you do a little bit of both. And I, I mean, I, I think you take a, the six percent or get rid of that, start investing mm-hmm. for the future. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, well, I was going to say a Roth, but they might be excluded, yeah. uh, unfortunately. But I would definitely put something toward retirement. So I would look at the six percenters and I would start to invest for the future unless they already have investments, which we haven't hit. And I'm, I'm assuming there's no credit card debt. Not that I know. Of. Yeah. OK, that, that's where I would go. I, I would definitely uh, start some type of a, you can just do a, an IRA and um, maybe a, an outside a taxable account and then take maybe uh, twenty five to thirty thousand and pay off the, the bigger loans. And I think you get you, you, you're you're getting uh Two for the price of one. Yeah, and one way of getting there, uh, 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 Eli, is it's really kind of uh, how we typically do things is, you know, we want to rank those emergency funds first. And let's assume that they have, you know, three to six months worth of kind of expenses uh, set aside there, you know, if a higher risk job, you know, lean more towards 6%. Let's also assume that they have their, you know, proper life insurance. I don't know if they have kids. Uh, often life insurance is kind of overlooked, uh, things like that. And then, you know, the next step after that is really making sure that at least they're getting their matches in, inside their 401k accounts provided by their employers, uh, you know, things like that. Um, and I, it sounds like they probably would be if they're putting at least $20,000 a, a year um, away. And I couldn't tell if she's working or if it's just her husband's working. But uh, either way, it's probably they're, they're exploring getting that those that free match money um and you know after that point you know definitely i would be putting the way to think about this if you are investing in in, in the marketplace pro, unless you for whatever reason have some really uh risk free income such that you're not holding any bonds at all um you're probably better off getting that six percent risk-free return and even working all the way down to even the four percent if someone offered me today a four percent risk-free return um i you know i might be going for that um so i don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily paying these off but what i definitely do is uh you know it it sounds like she has seventy thousand dollars um extra she could pay off the fifty thousand dollars in debt, and the other twenty thousand dollars, like as Tom said, you could, she could open up a taxable brokerage account. Um, why would she keep the four percenters around? You know, it, it, assuming it's a fixed rate, you know, it's somewhat of inflation hedge. You know, in case inflation ever goes up.
up. Uh, um, but still, 4% risk-free return is not a bad uh, return. If it's a variable rate, that's, that's a bigger uh, deal. But you said these are federal, um, probably fixed rate. Uh, and, but even a 4%, you know, if she wants to just clear off the books, you know, she can get rid of all this debt. She certainly is not going wrong with that. And then she has another $20,000 left over to open up a taxable brokerage account. Um, but if, you know, if she wanted to keep some of the 4% around a little bit, as long as she's clearing off the higher ones, then that wouldn't bother me so much either. Um, uh, but again, you know, if it were me, I'd probably just clear the decks right here um, because even a 4% risk free return, given that she has the other basis like emergency life insurance and the, and the, and the, and the match taken care of, that's what I would be doing. So thanks so much, Colin. Eli, really appreciate it. Again, speak with Tom of uh, Meyer of Meyer Capital Group doing a great job answering your questions here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And let me go to Doug calling from Illinois. How can we help you, Doug? How you guys doing? Good. Good. How good. are you? Did you hear me talk about Illinois being our Greece and so you decided to give me a call? Is that right, Doug? <laughs> I did I did. Luckily I don't work for the state. <laughs> good good for you. Um so I'm looking to figure out where to put money next. I mean, my wife and I both work. Uh, we make a nice living. We max out the 401ks. We have an emergency fund. There's there's no debt other than the mortgage, but I'm trying to figure out, okay, now where do we go next? I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, the emergency fund sits there and makes 2% in a money market, but um, do I pay down some mortgage? Do I, you know, where do I hit? Yeah. So you said you're, you're maxing out your, your, your 401k. Um, you have really no debt except your mortgage, uh, which I assume is a fixed rate return. What What is your mortgage rate? Uh, just under four. 4%. Okay. So, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily wrong to pay that down a little bit faster, but what other assets do you have a taxable brokerage account at this point? We do not. So everything is tied up in those 401ks. 401ks. But you're, you're, you're at the, the limit. Uh, uh, for those, it sounds like. So what's the next step? Correct. So, uh, Tom, t- you know, talk about, you know, a lot of times people don't realize that taxable brokerage account sounds, well, it's taxable. Why would I do that? But they can actually be part of a good tax, you know, retirement strategy. Yeah, well, we get this all the time, this question of mortgage. You know, think about it. If if 10 years ago somebody said, hey, it, it, oh, by the way, Doug, is this 30 or 15? 15 year. That's uh, a 30. It's a 30. And how much more time do you have? A lot. We just bought. Uh, we're twenty eight years left. Okay, plenty, plenty, plenty of time. Um, so if somebody would have said, "Wow, I'm going to get you a thirty year paper at three point nine percent," I mean, we never would have believed it. And you know, right. but I can say that until I'm blue in the face and say, "Hey, you know, you can start your investment funds as long as you know this three point or this mortgage does not hinder your life." But sure. there, we do have clients that they just you know hate debt, and it's all about making them comfortable. And I can say, hey, I would take advantage of that. Keep that 3.9. You can throw, you know, maybe three, 400 bucks extra every month to pay it down a little bit. But I would definitely start a, a brokerage account on the side and start getting um, a taxable investments yeah. going for you. Yeah. Uh, as long as you are comfortable with this mortgage that you have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, we're, we're comfortable there. It's, I mean, we've set it up so that. If one of us lost our job, the mortgage can still be paid. Good. Perfect. Excellent. Oh, my God. Yeah, Doug, when it comes to the taxable brokerage account, a lot of people don't realize it can be part 
of a long-term uh, uh, efficient, you know, tax uh, strategy. And but you just have to be kind of smart on how you do it. And in particular, especially if you're you're really thinking about using this money mainly to augment your retirement. Um, let's take that or some other type of goal down down the road that way. What you do is you decide what is the entire asset allocation between stocks and bonds, you know, higher risk versus lower risk that you're comfortable with. And you uh, have that asset allocation, not at at the single account level, but across all your accounts. And so uh, so the the idea is you open up the taxable brokerage account, you invest in something like that's very broad based, like a, you know, Vanguard total stock market fund, you know, Schwab Fidelity, you know, but a very broad based stock market fund. And if you're if you don't feel comfortable taking that much stock market risk, um, you know, overall your entire portfolio, that's cool. What you do is you reduce some of your stock market risk in your 401k accounts to offset it. And so now you're taking more bond investment in your 401k account. And that's going to be a pretty good tax strategy. It's called asset location, a pretty good tax strategy for the long term. Because at Vanguard accounts or whatever is you know that you're you're choosing here, um, it's not going to produce a lot of capital gains along the way. There will be some realizations, but not a lot um, uh, along the way. Um, and, uh, and so, it's, but you're only going to be taxed when you actually realize the gains. But that's going to be a long time from now, uh, presumably with this money. And meanwhile, those bonds are producing income along with the way, but it's in your tax deferred account. So you know that's that's good um, and and tax efficient. So it's that combination. It, uh, of that taxable and, and tax uh, deferred accounts that can really work together um, to give you a really kind of strong, um, a, a fairly tax efficient way for saving for retirement. People make too much about the you know contribution limits with their 401k. The fact of the matter is it's really easy to work within those contribution limits and still pack a, a pretty good punch toward retirement uh, later on. Thanks so much for calling. I really appreciate it, Doug. And let me go to Marsha calling from Florida, how can we help you, Marcia? Hi, thank you for sure. taking my sure. call. Um, I love your show. I learned so much from it. Thanks. Um, so my question is, is um, I have recently uh, taken a buyout from my company, so I'm, I'm not uh, con- continuing to contribute to my 401. I've been working for about 32 years. There's mm. about, um, let's see, about 600000 in it now, and um uh, I've been, you know, working with my financial planner. Uh, I've been very concerned about losing that. So I yeah. really encouraged him to not, you know, to put it into very conservative areas, money markets, things like that. And he's always pushing me to um, put more into stocks, uh, thinking that, you know, I'll get a better return. I think, you know, uh, this year so far, it's running around 5%. Uh, and, and others, I think, that have more of a mixture in the 10 to maybe 12% return, you know, and I know that's very short term view, but, um, you know, is there any guideline of, you know, what in a 401 with someone my age, you know, really what I should be? Yeah. How old are you? Remind me, how old are are you again? It sounds like you have retired and uh, are you going to have social security income? Um, What, what are you? No, I, I, I took about early on, so I'm only 58 and, um, We'll probably be doing something more on a part-time basis or consulting basis after this. So the, you know, uh, good income probably is going to continue uh, coming, you know. So, um, but I, I married and my husband has a pension. So, 
you know, we're doing okay. Uh, I don't need to go into the 401, so I, I, I won't need to go into it, you know, for a long time. So it's a matter of what should I do with it now and you know, just not to lose on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, gain, sure. And, and, and so it sounds like the 600000 is 401. I mean, do you have a sense of how big that pension is, how much that's going to produce every month in terms of income, what your expenses are per month? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, my husband's pension is is covering our expenses, and uh, then when when he starts taking Social Security, that'll be good too. So um, okay. we are doing you know okay with with the pension and, and paying our bills, and you know we'll probably scale back where we need to to continue that. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully we won't have to cap so, the four hundred one. So your 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 concern with the stock market risk is you just don't want to lose, but or do you actually have um, you know, concerns like out-of-pocket medical expenses or other things that you have spending needs that you really want to protect when you're retired? Yeah, I, I guess we would need the 401 down the road for probably medical expenses okay. and, and all that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Tom, your thoughts. Marshy, did you roll this over? Is this still in the 401k? Well, it's in uh, It's in Fidelity. Oh, it's, okay. Uh, oh, so it's in, uh, I guess, yeah, so it's it, the 401 is in fidelity now. Oh, I'm assuming a rollover. It, it's a, yeah. It, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, okay. I, I would like to say one thing right here. Mm-hmm. Forget about what the market's doing. Forget, forget about what Uncle Joe does at Thanksgiving and talks about it. He's up 20 and 30 percent because yes. this, is, this is about you. And that 5 percent being as conservative as you are is very good. Forget about what's, all the noise around you because yeah. you have to be comfortable with your asset allocation. So when you're getting talked into buying stock or whatever and you feel uncomfortable, your advisor should understand that that your risk tolerance is not where he wants you or she wants you to be. So you have to reiterate that you are conservative. You can have a very nice, nicely done uh, uh, asset, asset allocation, as Kent talks about all the time. It could be Vanguard. It could be Schwab whatever, or Fidelity, whatever the case may be. They offer very low-cost opportunities for conservative investors that aren't going to lose a bundle when this market does eventually go through a correction, and you'll be very happy. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, Marshall, I would even say if you're getting 5%, you know, just keep in mind that you you are taking risk in that portfolio. It just happens that the last few years we've been doing, you know, fairly well. Uh, and, and so um, you, you still have some exposure there, but it sounds like you're comfortable with that level. And given that you have a, a fair amount of safe income, that's that that's good through the mm-hmm. pension, through the Social Security, uh, um, so forth. So it sounds like what this is is really money for paying for maybe long-term care, uh, the pocket, law, uh, the uh, medical expenses, and so forth. And it's great that you are planning for that. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes people make into retirement is that they oh, greatly underestimate how much they're going to need in out-of-pocket medical expenses. And plus, with Medicare being greatly underfunded, you'll want to be protecting for that. So I would say, you know, hold the course and really uh, rein in the financial advisor and really ask him also the big major question, is he fee-only? If he says he's fee-based, you know, run and get yourself a fee-only advisor. You can find them on my and website. don't look back. Yeah, my yeah. website, kentamoney.com. Or napfa.org. So thanks so much for calling, Marshall. I'm going to oh, sneak one, one more in. Alan, this is only going to get me about a minute and a half here. You got a quick question for me? Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. I've listened to the show for a while, really enjoy it. Great. I have a question about venture capital investing. Yep. You haven't really talked about this. 
say I fully max out my IRA, 401k, 403b, and 457, have about $9 million of investable assets, yeah. and want to think about diversification into either venture capital or non-public uh, markets, and wanted to know how you think about it, you know, percentages, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly, and I'll give Tom his chance to think about, uh, mention this as well. You know, I, I really don't think of it as a diversification because you'd really need to almost be in a VC fund or, you know, exposed across tons of companies in order to uh, d- deal with the risk factor and that. So if you're part of a VC fund that is taking, you know, Sequoia or something like that, that's taking a lots and lots of bets, um, that, that's, but if you're just doing personal bets, just assume that you're going to, likely lose that money and only enjoy potentially some big upside for legacy or something else like that. But it's a big gamble. So I don't really think of it as that. But, you know, just assume you you just have to be comfortable losing that money. And and your reason for doing it is because you want to Take some, you know, take some, a couple swings at the fence. Uh, I even do that myself, and uh, maybe live a big legacy. Tom, you're quickly. Yeah, your real quick. Look, um, I will tell you what. With your assets, um, obviously, it's a, you know, basically a five year commitment. You know, there's a lot of fees involved, but I will say one thing: there is a disruptor on the horizon that they just announced that they may be entering into the private equity uh, field. And the fees will be dirt cheap compared to what's out there. And the name of the firm is Vanguard. Yeah. So yeah, they, they're getting involved in private equity maybe in the next six to nine yeah, months. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and, Alan, certainly you definitely have the risk capacity to take on some risks. I mean, you put 5% of your portfolio, 10, you know, 5% toward it. You could do a lot of early stage invests, but just, you know. Be comfortable that you'd probably lose the money, but you, you know if that. But that if you want to take a swing and go for try to get a fifty million dollar payday for your legacy or whatever that purpose is, nonprofit, whatever, um, and then then go for it. Thanks so much for calling. Uh, I want to thank Tom for coming in on the back in the show. You can find more about Tom and uh, his work at MeyerCG.com. Again, MeyerCG.com, or just simply Google Tom Meyer. I think my other wonderful guest Barbara Hemphill and uh, are there. Engineer Deon Simmons. I will see you next Tuesday. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.